0: listening to The Coronavirus Diaries, Human Rights in the Age of a Global Pandemic, a series of online conversations with experts hosted by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. The Institute is Canada's leading think tank working at the intersection of human rights, conflict, and emerging technologies. As we watch the global pandemic unfold, this series will look at what impacts the coronavirus will have on human rights, geopolitics, and democracy, and what role technology and disinformation will play. Hello, this is Kyle Matthews of the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. We're here for another interview as part of our Coronavirus Diaries, uh, discussions about human rights in the age of the global pandemic. Today I'm very fortunate to be joined by Dr. Jan Ilhan Kizilan. He's a professor of mental health and trauma. He's the Dean of the Institute of Psychotherapy and Psychotraumatology at the University of Duhok. He's also associated with the University in Germany. He's also Director of the Institute of Genocide and Peace Studies. Jan, great to have you with us today.
1: Thank you for the invitation.
0: I really would like to talk to you today primarily about what's happening in Northern Iraq and, and, and the case of the Yazidi community. Um, many Canadians, people working human rights around the world know about what happened to the Yazidis, how they were attacked um, by predominantly the group ISIS, how there was enormous trauma caused by you know, sexual violence, uh, human trafficking, and genocide. But I, I wondered if you could tell us what are the case of the Yezidis today? What is their situation in northern Iraq? Uh,
1: actually the situation um, has not been changed very much in, in, in Kurdistan or in northern Iraq. Uh, still there are about more than uh, 300,000 Yazidis in refugee camps around the province of Turok. We have still 100 to 160,000 Yazidis who are living in the area in Sinjar where is a, a homeland of the Yazidis which is time by time attacked by the IS and the last two weeks many of them uh, again some Yazidis were killed by IS attacks so still there is a problem of security and we have different kind of uh, groups who are not able to find a perspective for the Yazidis. So the situation in general for the Yazidis in Iraq is still not clear. Uh, They have no any rights for a separate province or just uh, want uh, to be able to go back in, in Sinjar. Um, but after the, after the coronavirus, uh, the situation came really very bad because uh, in the area of Sinjar, there are no any medical uh, staff or hospitals. Most of the NGOs who withdrew for this, for this uh, from, uh, because of the coronavirus crisis. And even in the refugee camps, uh, they are living in 22 different refugee camps. One is maybe uh, 10,000, the biggest of the refugee camps uh, of Haneke have about 28,000 um, people who are Yazidis who are living there. Uh, so uh, my concern actually is if the pandemic, the coronavirus is starting in the refugee camps, we will not be able to stop this. Just to hand-washing, just you have to imagine... Uh, in one tent, maybe 10 or 12 people are living together in one small tent, and one tent beside one tent. So if one is infected by them, you will be not able to stop. And we don't have any medical staff or any hospitals who are able uh, to support them or to take care and to take care of them. So far, it's, from this time, it's very important to do everything in, regarding prevention, uh, to inform those uh, people, how to react, and we did last week a research which will be published next, and it shows that before the COVID-19, the level of traumatization was by women and male about 30 to 40 percent. Now we did now we did a research and compared this during the now during this uh, crisis it's a rise about 20 percent. So most of them have about 50 to 60 percent of post-traumatic stress disorder, especially in case of anxiety and wariness, it's a rise very high because they ask they say we don't know what we we, we can do. If the epidemic uh, or the coronavirus will start there, uh, so we have to prevent. In case of giving a lot of information, so I started uh, in the last three weeks with my students to do some like you to do some uh, video clips in Kurdish and the language they can understand to give them basic information: what is depression, what is PTSD, how you can organize somehow your everyday lives, how you can deal with children because they're all all the day in the tent or the refugee camps or in Sinjar in in the houses. So they give him basic information and give him some support. Uh, In the beginning of next week, we will have an online, uh, online portal in Kurdish with video clips and they can ask us question and we will try to answer the question on the time of 24 hours. But this is small help, but maybe we can do everything to prevent,
0: hopefully there will be no any any cases. So you mentioned one thing that I think is very important. You said that the difficulty of um, the refugees in these camps, that they, they live very close together, so it's very difficult for self-isolation. Um, I imagine it's, there's also difficulty in finding enough water to to wash and keep your hands, challenges of food security. So. There really is a, a design issue with the camps that have to be improved, but also with no health care there, there's also an urgent need that, that what should the international community be trying to do uh, to help Yazidis right now
1: I mean this is actually um, just not a case of uh, of the the Iraqi government or the Kurdish government it's a case uh, the emergency case of the who the World health Organization and they have to act very immediately and they have to act today and not tomorrow. Otherwise, you will have a catastrophe because the governments are not able to to handle this in, in Iraq. In Kurdistan, the situation is more or less as good. As it looks like it's under control, but we are not sure if it will happen this tomorrow, the next
0: days and next weeks. So Jan, you also said that there's there's a lack of healthcare infrastructure in the area where the Yazidis are. Is there a lack of healthcare infrastructure? Was it destroyed um, by, by ISIS? Or, or was there just, or is there also just a lack of interest by the central authorities? What explains this, this, this lack of medical infrastructure?
1: You know, I'm working since 2014 uh, in Iraq, and I'm, I'm, I'm a Dean of the Institute at the University of Turk. And um, uh, during this IS attack, uh, many uh, doctors and physicians left Iraq, for example. Uh, just in the province of Dohuk, in the last two years, 200 physicians left Iraq, came to Europe, America, and other countries. So we don't have Enough medical medical care and medical staff. We don't we don't have any uh, enough uh, hospitals, and uh, and this must be uh, supported by the international community. Otherwise, they will be not able without and uh, with coronavirus to handle this this issue. Okay, so international assistance
0: is key, um, and one of the the challenges right now is that as you know, traditional countries that support the UN, we've seen our economies kind of shrink. We have economic collapse so there's there's a real danger that that Western countries will look inward and will not provide as much foreign aid um, but right now the needs are larger than ever before so it's yeah. really important that I think that we we have to communicate this to to political leaders and to everyday citizens
1: Yeah, it's, actually it's a start to send more medication uh, to support these people. Still, we don't have enough medication in Iraq and in Kurdistan. Uh, and to educate and train them, maybe we can also train some doctors. Uh, I know it is not realistic to take much doctors Uh, to to Iraq because we have their own problems in Europe, Canada, or America. Uh, But at the same time, we have to set up a program as a short and long term to support the people in Kurdistan, especially Yazidi people.
0: Maybe my last question for you, uh, Jan. Um, Right now, it's difficult. You said it's difficult to send doctors because borders are closed. Um, The international airline industry is kind of frozen right now. But what are the local NGOs that are operating in this part of Iraq, that that could actually um, use support that we that should be should be on our, on our on our we should that we should know about and try to see if we can support um, from afar.
1: First, I believe uh, the international community, like UN or uh, World Health Organization, should uh, send immediately uh, supplies, uh, disinfectants, uh, uh, possibility to handwashing and have uh, enough distancing to send or develop uh, information in the language that the people can understand for prevention. And in the same time, be in contact with the uh, Iraqi and Kurdish government uh, you know, somehow we can also train uh, through online, many doctors and give some advices how to deal in some crisis. And it will be also um, hopefully, and uh, the next start can be to support with the psychosocial support for the short time, via online, via internet, that people, if they have some anxiety, trauma, uh, to be able to get uh, through experts and psychotherapists uh, some help and support, and maybe they can be a little bit relaxed and uh, be able to, to organize their everyday life uh, without any sleeping disorder, anxiety, and wellness about himself and their family.
0: Well, Jan, I wanna really thank you for taking time today to, uh, to talk to us about the case of the Yazidis and the threat of coronavirus. And I wish you uh, uh, best of luck in your important work that you're doing to help them. Thank you very much. Thank you much uh, for the interview. I appreciate
1: it very much. thank you.